Hi everyone, my name is Anika Aftab and welcome to The Only in the Room, the podcast where we explore stories of some incredible humans that have felt like an only in a room full of people. Despite all that, they decided to transform their experiences and leave a greater impact on the world. Remember, the only is not just a feeling, it's a movement. On today's episode, we dive into the fascinating world of Tanin, who envisions creating a community-styled program that teaches important life skills that's often overlooked in school. Join us as Tanin shares her experience exploring different cultures firsthand, shares the power of peak experiences, and the transformative impact that they can have on our lives. Stick around as we discuss the shortcomings of the current education system, the importance of being present in today's digital age, and the challenges of finding our community. Let's dive right in and uncover the inspiring journey of Tanine on their quest to create meaningful change and help others thrive. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Tanine. I was born and raised in Vancouver, Canada, but my parents immigrated here from Iran. And why was I given the name that I was given? So my name in Farsi means like a note in music, like a tune. Mm -hmm. You could almost think of it as like a frequency in music. And um, I don't really quite know the story behind why my mom chose that name, but I think she was just, there's just like a few that she was, she had in mind. And this was, um, this was one of them. So I absolutely love that. And my last name in Farsi means sun, like the sun. Yeah, so it does. <laughs> it, your last name, Oftab, means um, sunlight. Sunlight. And I, I think that's pretty accurate of a representation towards me as a person or as a whole. So I love it. Um, I love most it too. Of my, <laughs> most of my doctors actually call me sunshine. Like they'll be like, uh, Miss Sunshine. And I'm like, you guys that's, are killing me. That's really I sweet. It. I love it. I agree. You are sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So you said that you, you were, you know, born and grew, you grew up in Vancouver. Do you consider Vancouver to be home for you? Oh, this is a very good question because I think I've really struggled with this. So I was born here, grew up here and growing up, I just never feel like I found my community and a lot of like what makes us feel at home, I feel has to do with our community. So I spent a lot of years traveling outside of Vancouver and overall like home. I, I've, I feel like I've learned to love and appreciate every space as if it's my own home, but whether or not I feel like it's my home, I would say, no, I don't necessarily feel like it is home, but it is, it, 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 it I appreciate a lot of things about it, but I don't think it's, it's home for me. So where do you consider home to be? I honestly just, I'm figuring that out. I don't, I don't actually know yet. I, I have amazing friends, some of which are in the U S that I'm going to be staying with for a bit, but, um, maybe I'll, I'll have more clarity in a few months. I truthfully, I do not know. Where's, where's home for Anika? <laughs> this isn't my interview, but I don't think that I, you know, a lot of people that I resonate with most don't really 
have a home because we find home in so many places, uh, whether it be because of the sense of community, whether it be because of nature, because of, like, I consider Hawaii to be home because, honestly, a lot of people look like me. And, mm. I, you know, and that's that's it. I consider New York to be home because it's a part of part of home because it's where I grew up and where my family is. And I consider Rochester to be part of home because that's where my memories are from college. And like, there's just different. And then I lived internationally and like you've traveled as much and even probably more than I have. And so I'm sure little bits of home for you are all over the world. Yeah, totally. And, and I feel like after like, traveling so much and seeing the things I like and seeing the things I don't like I almost feel like I'm meant to take all the components I like and create my own home in a Mm -hmm. space where I decide to invest in a community and then it's like that's going to be my home because I'm creating it and it's like it has all the things I love that make me feel like my highest self you know yeah I absolutely love that like the external focus but I also love the internal of it's like create home within yourself like you are home wherever you are because home is you like in like, you know, within. And so Mm -hmm. I love, I love all of that. Um, so, you know, growing up in Vancouver, what was your, what was your childhood like? Is there like a, a particular aspect of my childhood or just, you know, uh, I mean, if I were to answer the question myself growing up as an immigrant, you know, um, I, I often found myself very like in like a lot of traditional spaces, but then everywhere externally, like school and um, all my extracurriculars were very like, I was the only white brown girl, right? Um, so I almost lived a double life growing up <laughs> because I had both, both, you know? And so mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, I don't know much about like Vancouver's landscape, like what you, what was like for growing up in your area? You said your parents immigrated, right? Yeah. Um, so what was what was it like in that aspect? Yeah. So I mean, going to like personally, I always struggled a lot in school. Uh, yeah, part of it definitely, I feel like, um, you know, having a completely different culture at home versus you know in school that was definitely a struggle. Um, I feel like I had a very like my parents were quite strict, and then at school, all my friends, they would, you know, they had very, like, their parents were so much more easygoing, they had a different culture, um, a different, different mindset. But I think my biggest struggle with growing up in Vancouver, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with Vancouver, is I struggled a lot with the school system. So um, I never really, like, um, I feel like our school system is very, very standardized. It's not personalized enough. And Mm -hmm. I think children and people are so complex that it can be very difficult to be kind of forced into this specific way of learning. So a lot of kids will have certain learning difficulties or they don't want to pay attention in class and they're automatically isolated and labeled in these institutions where really it's that these institutions are not built to really um, hold these unique individuals and help them grow. And like Gary Vaynerchuk, he once said that like schools are failing entrepreneurs every day. I feel like you have a very entrepreneurial spirit. I have a very entrepreneurial spirit and I felt like school really failed me. Yeah. Wow. 
And in, in what way would you say? So first and foremost, I love everything you just said. I hate standardized tests, for example. I was so bad at them. You know, like I, I struggled a little bit um, in a lot of ways, actually. I grew up not knowing English. So I was in ESL until about seventh grade. So it took a minute to actually catch up to everyone around me. Um, what ways would you say a school system has failed you? Hmm. I honestly like there there's so many ways that I feel like school has failed me. Um, I would say that one way that a lot of people would be able to resonate with is that like we live in a very results orientated world and understandably so results are important, but you would think in a school they would teach you that it's more about the process, but so much emphasis is put on the results that students don't actually get to immerse themselves in the process of learning or even learning how to learn. It's um, like they, they did a study and they found that like 98% of students admitted to having cheated um, on their tests or on their homework at some point, all because they wanted to get good grades. And personally, I don't think we should have grades in school because it's like, oh, you're an A student, you're a B student, you're a C student. And I once had a teacher say to me that she just doesn't see me as anything more than a C student. And it's like, that's, that's actually, so actually I'm going to tell you the story about this and it'll give you a good idea of how I feel like school has failed me. And I think it's what a lot of people are dealing with. So one of my English teachers in high school, she said that she feels like a lot of people think that she grades based off of how she views them as individuals. And so she gave us an essay assignment where um, we don't put our names on it. Not only did she give me the highest grade that she had ever given me, but there was this girl in my class who, you know, she, she was a lovely girl. She was very intelligent. But when I would compare my work to hers, I knew that my work was better and that she would always get higher grades than me. So not only did when we did this experiment of don't put your name on the on the paper, not only did she give me the highest grade she had given me, but she gave that girl the lowest grade that she had ever gotten. And so I think that so much of, um, you know, when we talk about success, um, so much of our conditioning in school makes us like we, we we base our worth off of like these results and i i just don't think that it's very productive where we should be focusing more on the process of growth and i think it's really failing students in that way yeah and first and foremost that's a wild story did this teacher get fired like <laughs> no <laughs> But no. I mean, you, you just kind of proved the fact that she was, that she did have that bias. And um, that could be so incredibly harmful for a growing student. Like that is, that that's, that's another side story of like, you know, but wow, that is insane. Um, I'm so sorry you had to go through that, but I'm glad that you were able to find out that it wasn't really you as the problem. Um, but yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I think that we really do need to focus more on that process versus like, you know, are you memorizing everything you need to for that test just so you can get a hundred and then you're considered a good student. Yeah, um, totally. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, okay. So interesting. And so that was kind of like your school dynamic. What about like your friends? Did you have a lot of like immigrant friends? Were you, 
what is like Vancouver's landscape? I don't really know much. I'm curious. I did have some like friends who, you know, they were similar where like, you know, their parents also immigrated. Um, and I also had, I had friends from different backgrounds. I had friends that, um, yeah, I feel like Vancouver's a pretty diverse place right now. Like we have a lot of immigrants and a really big immigrant population. Um, when I was growing up, you know, there was still a lot of immigrants, maybe not as much as there is now. It's, um, but like over, well over 50% of Vancouver is, uh, immigrants. Um, so it's a pretty diverse landscape. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I actually, I love it. I really like it. Um, what about Hawaii? Hawaii is so diverse in the sense of like, it's actually almost as if that a like white Caucasian is the 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 lowest you'd see unless they're military. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's it's very much. I mean, there is a heavy emphasis on Asian population. Mm -hmm. like we had a lot of like Japanese immigrants, a lot of like Korean. Uh, uh, so many of my friends are Chinese. <laughs> or mix, there's a lot of mix. And then obviously the native Hawaiian and Polynesian and Micronesian. So like, they're not, I don't think I've met another Bengali person, but uh, everyone mm. almost kind of looks like me or has an immigrant story, which I absolutely love. Like I, I've never felt this way in anywhere else I've lived. Interesting. Vancouver is definitely a place where you can, um, where I feel like you can find every type of person. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. I mean, but but like not as like, but that's what I think about Vancouver. And then you go to a city like Toronto, and yeah. Toronto's like even more diverse. So it's um, yeah, it's cool. I love that. That's awesome. Um, okay, well, so let's. I'm gonna switch gears real quick. I know I don't know if I gave you this homework assignment, but I asked if you could name three songs that resonate with you most. Were you Ooh. able to think of those? Or if you want to put, I can put you on the spot right now if you, you feel comfortable. Okay. Um, three songs that resonate with me most. I mean, I feel like this changes depending yeah. on the phase I'm in in my life. Um, so, like, I feel, I feel like every year I'll have a different set of songs that resonate with me most. Uh, there's one song that I've been really loving. It's called, um, I really can't pronounce it properly. It's called uh, Cantataita and okay. it's by Puertes. Mm -hmm. You can listen to it on YouTube. It's spelled, um, how is it spelled? Let me, it's spelled Q-A-N-T-A-T-A-I-T-A -A -A -A. and it's by, by Puentes, sorry, Puentes. So I love that song. Why do you um, love it? I love it because I was visiting some friends and mentors in Miami and this song was playing in the background. And the feeling that I had in that moment with all my friends was one where I just felt most like myself. And so that song kind of reminds me of that time with them in Miami and, um, so I always love to listen to that and it just takes me back to, to that moment. Mm -hmm. And then another song that I really love, I honestly love anything by Axel Theslef. Okay. I think that, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I really love his song. Um, I think it's called Echo. So I love that one. And then, oof, one more. Um, I love the Polish ambassador. So that's, um, that's a, they're a band. They're so great. I love the song Lost and Found. Mm-hmm. So I I'm highly gonna need you to create a Spotify playlist for me because I don't know any of this music, but I feel like you would, you would expand my palette. <laughs> I feel like you need, I think everyone listening to this right now needs to listen to these songs. Yeah. I have never heard any of these songs and I am going to go after this call, listen to them. Uh, but I will ask you to create a, a Spotify playlist for me because they, I feel like you have, you have such unique music taste. And so I've got some really basic songs in my list. I Once love, <laughs> no, what, what are you saying? Oh, I was going to say Paradise by Coldplay. Okay. Um, solid. Great I song. Lived by One Republic. Okay. I don't and, know that one. Um, that one's probably my life song. Really? Oh, yeah. I want to listen to it then if it's your life song. <laughs> and honestly, it's so ironic that I asked people to do three because I only have my two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll find I'll find a third before I <laughs> the end of the day. Okay. I mean, I love I listen to like a lot of dance music. Or like yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to have lyrics or it like Lost and Found by Polish Ambassador has lyrics and I love the lyrics to that one. But um, just anything that I feel like transports me to another plane. Yeah. Um, um, I love, do you like festivals and stuff? Are you EDM? I, I don't like I like that kind of music, but I haven't really been to many festivals. Okay. I go to a lot of festivals. I love EDMs. So, let's get back to the questions. Um, you know, what would you say has been one of the most positive defining experiences like in your life so far? Hmm. I think something something that I've learned about, you know, peak experiences or positive experiences is that it's less to do with the experience, but more to do with the state in which you, you experience it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people will be like, you know, my, my favorite time was when I um, – you know, went to this theme park and it was like so cool. And I tried all these new rides and it's like, well, there's a lot of people who will go to the theme park and their, and their state of being is one of being fearful and they're terrified and they're scared of the roller coaster ride. And there's another person who goes from a space of excitement. And then that experience just adds to what they're already feeling. It just like amplifies it. So I was recently in Miami And I was on the beach with some friends and just had a peak experience in my life. And it was just, I was just on the beach. And it was the fact that I was with my people and I was just really at peace within myself. And that transformed so much for me mentally, emotionally, and internally. Um, Spending a few days with like really fantastic people without necessarily anything significant happening is just making connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was me having that experience from a space of openness and like receiving like the gifts of life. Mm-hmm. And so that's like 
that's my peak experience. Like I've had a lot of, I'm sure everyone can relate. Like we've all had experiences where there's like this wild adventure or like, um, you know, you have a crazy thing happen to you or you win something and it's like, oh my God, this amazing experience. But I've learned that like the best experiences are really just like finding absolute bliss where I am with people that I love. And I think that's my favorite thing ever. I I love that. And I I love that you said like your people, how do you know that they're your people? It's, it's what they bring. um, What comes out of you? Like who are you your best self when you're around people? Um, It's like, what do they bring out the best in you is what I'm trying to say. I think some, some people naturally just evoke that from you because you, you can have these conversations where you're just like very, very much feeding each other. Um, you add so much value to them. They add so much value to you. And it's just this natural flow, like no one's trying. And I think those are, those are your people. I love that. I love that so much. Um, and I, I mean, I think that we've all been so fortunate in the last few months to have found so many amazing people. I've interviewed a few mm. of the third door people. And mm-hmm. that's usually like something that always comes up is the importance of connection or finding the people that make you quote unquote, feel alive or like feel like your best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. So I love, I love that you bring that up. Um, and I guess like kind of going on the other side of things, because I do like my extremes is like, <laughs> what would you say has been, you know, for you, one of the most defining negative experiences in your life? And it could be a few. Hmm. I think it goes back to school. Yeah. Because in, in when you're in school, I feel like your choices are quite limited. Like when you're younger and you have to go through that pro, like you have to go through elementary school, you have to go through high school. Um, you don't necessarily have as much space to choose your friends because it's whoever's there. Right. And you just kind of have to deal with that. Um, you have to do a bunch of things that you might not want to do in order to, you know, just go through this system. And I think that can be a very, depressing experience for a lot of young people I know it was for me and um I and so much happened during those years of my life that um you know now I've been able to transcend it but I think it was a very defining experience for me like the depression the anxiety that I experienced within those institutions and around certain people Mm -hmm. um so I would say that is probably, and then also having a household, like having a family life where, um, where like my, they didn't, like my parents don't know how to, how to navigate those things. Cause they, yeah. they were not, ne- they were never taught to navigate those things. Mm-hmm. So, um, not having that support either. Yeah. And I resonate with that greatly, right. Coming from even like first gen or just immigrant, immigrant households, you don't, America's landscape is so different than like the international landscape for better Mm -hmm. or for worse. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess like one of the things, I guess my next question is, you know, for my book, I, the reason I decided to write it is because, because of these negative experiences that I've gone through, I've, I've wanted to take all that energy that, you know, has been stored because of like all the bad and transform it into something that's positive into mm-hmm. something that's forms a sense of community and form it does something more for 
me and my purpose. Um, so like, I guess for my question is like, you know, I think you mentioned a little bit about educating others about education, but I'm curious to know, have you done anything in, or do you have plans on doing anything to continue to change the landscape that you grew up in? Uh, yeah, I definitely want to create a community that will offer um, some type of program to kids, um, maybe even adults at some point, that'll really teach them the thing, like things that I feel are more important in life. I don't want to say more important because, yes, there are some basic things you need to know. I think school does steer away from a lot of the things that are actually important. But um, I basically want to create like a kids camp or like adults camp where people go and they they get to learn about um, emotional intelligence, uh, entrepreneurship, or I I don't have a clear vision on it yet because I, I think I'm going to establish this about eight years from now, maybe seven years from now. It's already it's in my exponential long term planning. Yes. So, so it's like, it's like you, you map out your life, what you want things um, to look like in one to two years, like three to four years, five to seven years. And so it's a long-term goal for me to create something that will contribute to a different kind of education. I, I, I love that you brought up the exponential long-term planning. Yes. I, so for those who don't know, we were part of this like mentoring group with one of our favorite authors and we learned so many life lessons, but tools to actually, you know, reach our goals or whether it be internally self, like, like get to know ourselves better or, you know, get to know or execute our plans better. So I love that. I love that you brought that up. Um, I miss it so much, <laughs> but um, amazing. Okay, I appreciate that, and I'm excited to see like where you where you take it, right? Because things like that are so important, and I know that there's going to be so many people that are like on your side with it. So I'm excited for you. Let's go. It's amazing. See you there. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, let me know how I can help. I'm definitely, I'm there with you. And so what do you, like, I know you, you do a lot of like photography work. Can you talk, talk to me a little bit about how you got into photography um, and what your vision is? Like, where do you want to be? Yeah. Um, so I used to study anthropology. Mm -hmm. This was in university. And then being the person I am and everything that I've told you about how much I don't like school, um, I was in my room one day and I was like listening to my, some of my favorite dance music. I was uh, just dancing on my own. And um, I had this like, so I was learning a lot about uh, different cultures and, and whatnot. And we would learn about... Um, different like tribal communities and that sort of thing. But I was, I had this, like when I was in my room, I was listening to my dance music. I was like channeling um, <laughs> all that, all that, all that good energy. I had this like thought occur to me. It was, what if I left university and went um, to visit different people in different cultures firsthand and learned from them. And so at the time, that was like a very 
big thought for me because it was a thought that I had never thought before. No one in my family really traveled. Um, no one around me was doing anything like that. And so a lot of people hear like, hear this and be like, oh, isn't that just like field work? Like, isn't that what you do in anthropology class? Um, well, you don't really do anything similar to that until you are like doing your master's or PhD and it's for a very limited amount of time mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not the same. It's not as, um, I, yeah, it just, it's not the same. It's very, it's quite, it has a lot of limitations. Mm -hmm. And then, so I was 20 at the time I left university a couple days after having that kind of realization and I got a job. I started working full time. And a year later, I, I started traveling, packed like two, two pants, three shirts um, and, a, <laughs> and like and You're like amazing. A, and like a tent. And I was like, I I'm just going to go meet people in different cultures. So within like 18 months, I had stayed with over 100 families in cultures around the world. Like I learned about migration patterns by actually going and traveling with nomadic families. Um, and these are all people that I just like found on my own. It's not like I was like, I wasn't go through, going through like any group tours or anything like that. It was like, or people in their villages who would like just invite me or you know, all just like all sorts of ways where people would just see this random girl and they would approach me. And then I was so interested in them that they would just like invite me to their house. And so I think that taught me um, things that my textbook, my textbooks never could. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. You couldn't even spend years learning about this stuff, like versus yeah. just going there and doing it. So tell me where you went. So can you tell me the places and how long you traveled for? Yeah. So I started in Mongolia and then I went to... Where did I go? I went to Kazakhstan and then I went to Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan. And then I also did like some of India. Um, I, I, I did this in Iran. I, I was recently in, yeah. So, so the, the, at the beginning I did about 18 months in those countries and then ever since I still go on trips every few months. Like I was just, just under a year ago now or a year ago now I was doing Panama and that stayed with um, some of the communities on the islands there. Um, so, so yeah. Wow. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I have so many questions and I mean, I have to already ask, do you have like a photography page? Is there a page oh, that we okay. can follow? Oh, okay. Oh, right. The photos. So the, the, the question was about photography. So, yes. so while I started that, I, I got a camera so I could, um, and it's still the camera that I shoot with to this day. So yeah. I got a camera and, um, and as a way to like document my trip and it just started to evolve in something more. I grew to really like photography and then I went to a photojournalism school and um, like my vision, I guess, for the future is to, I, I'm just having fun right now. It's not necessarily, like, I think my career is going to be based on multiple things, some of which will involve photography, but I don't think it's going to be like a singular thing where it's like, I'm just doing photography. Yeah. 
so what do you think it'll expand into? Uh, storytelling, public speaking. I'm working on a kid's book right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, launching a company. So I'm going to be launching like adventure tours. So, but also like I'm also constantly changing. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm just, ex- I'm just doing the things that like I feel alive doing and just have a lot of fun with. Ah, I love, love that. And what would you, you know, so that's something that I've been working on myself is finding things that make me yes. quote unquote feel alive. Um, what advice would you give to someone that is looking to, to change their mindset and focus on? To change their mindset and focus on, do you mean? Um, like, how do we, how does someone start focusing on what makes them feel alive? Mm. Like if someone asked you, it's like, hey, I feel for lack of better words, dead, <laughs> like inside. So like, what, what do I do to change? What, what advice would you give? Yeah, I think so. So remember the story I told you about how I was like dancing in my room and then the thought came to me of like, what if I just went to all these places myself? But I forgot to mention that before that I had asked myself a question. And the question was, if I could do anything in the world, regardless of money, regardless of, you know, what I think is or is not possible. Like if I wanted to wake up tomorrow and be like a world famous musician that it was like touring the world and had concerts and all these things, let's pretend for a minute that that was completely possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so like really give yourself the, the freedom in this moment to ask yourself, like if you could do anything in the world, what would it be? Do you want to be a world famous musician and go do X, Y, Z? Do you want to be an actor? Do you want to um, start a community or, or have a startup or something? It's like, give yourself the freedom to, to dream big. And so when I asked myself, what do I want to do? It was honestly just go stay with people around the world. Yeah. That's, that's really what I wanted to do. So I would say, ask yourself that question. And it's like, if I had no limits, what would my vision be and ask yourself that question frequently like as you progress in your journey like keep updating it Mm -hmm. I love that what is it yeah I I'm gonna you know after this I'm gonna go sit with myself and see what the answer if it's changed because it's been a minute um and I love I love I love that so much and I think everyone listening to this should read the third door (laughs) and you gotta put that in there (laughs) and and make no small plans by Elliot Bisnow. I actually haven't heard it. I mean, I haven't read it yet. So it's amazing. Uh, so read those two books, ask yourself that question and they you're will sorted. change your life. I will say that you're um, sorted. Did you, would you say that living with people actually helped you save money? Is that how you like, I mean, you know, I want to just go pick up my, like pack my bags tomorrow and leave. Financially, I don't think I could do that because I have so many student loans. So what, what advice would you have for someone that is looking for like a low budget ability to just travel if you have any advice? Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, I, like I, I got a job, I worked um, and it just, I mean, you don't necessarily have to go on as long of a trip, like see what money you can save up. Mm-hmm. Um figure out where you want to go and then just create a little plan for yourself. Like how much on average will it cost for you to be in that space every in that country every day, um, mm-hmm. food, accommodation, um, all these things I did. I was mostly staying with local people. Gotcha. Um, 
a lot of people might not feel comfortable with that. I, I put myself kind of like really out there and had and had these people just kind of come to me. But yeah, I'd say be open and also have a plan, have a structure. Open And so, I mean, having been, you know, the book, my book is called The Only in the Room. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told you about it, right? Or have I talked about it much? Yeah. I have. Yes, I love um, it. And, you know, for someone like you, it sounds like you've been in so many rooms full of people, different types of people all around the world. Um, have you ever felt like you were the only in the room? This always goes back to school for me. Like yeah. if we're talking about it. Yeah, that's amazing. Please tell me more about that. Like just in a, in, in, a, in a way where I felt like I was the only in the room. It was always in school. Like I felt very isolated. Um, yeah, I, it, it kind of goes back to that for me, honestly. Because like you, you just, like I said, you have very limited choices in, in who you get to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And so. Well, since you're not in school anymore, would you say that there are, have you felt alone in a room full of people recently or anywhere like, yeah, have you felt that any time recently? Honestly, no. Um, yeah. I, like, I'm moving in with some friends soon. I I feel very connected to them. I haven't necessarily been in many spaces recently where I would feel like the only one in the room. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, I, I I'm in a different phase right now, so I don't I don't resonate with that anymore. Yeah. But I think that if if anyone does feel that way, it's a matter of kind of figuring out what you want and creating a life in which where you are in a you find yourself in a room where you feel seen and not yeah. like the only one. I was gonna say my next question was gonna be, I think first off, it's amazing that you were able to to leave. A mindset like that where whether it be physically emotionally mentally you, you found people that make you feel connected um my question yeah. was going to be how what advice would you give to someone that is trying to feel less alone and so you said to feel to be more seen what do you mean by that yeah i mean i feel like i i think first and foremost people like if you feel like the only one in the room a lot of the time is it's because you don't have a solid community you don't you don't have you're not in a community where um you're with people you resonate with so i think the question is really um how do you find your people and i think it's um it's really hard to find your people i i struggled for so long finding my people but i think it's also putting your trust in i guess the divine or the universe however you want to say it and also being open to to going to events or attending meetings and spaces where you think that your people exist Mm -hmm. and starting there and building your community. Love it. Such as book conferences. (laughs) So exactly like, like just like online, like there's so many live webinars and all these cool things and all these ways to, to meet people now. And um, we live in a digital world for sure. Yeah, start um, there. Yeah, I was gonna say it's funny that we live in such a digital world that it should be as easier than ever, right, to find these connections. But I think almost that we've become a little even more disconnected uh, mm. because of all that. 
like the space that we're in. So finding that balance is really important. Definitely. Um, I guess my next question for you is, you know, I feel like you're, you're an incredibly passionate individual and I, I love, I love talking to you in all degrees. I can't even believe we, we only met for the first time a few months ago. Like, I feel like I've known you for years, which I have because we've, you know, zoomed and such for two years, but we've only physically met <laughs> twice in our lives. Um, but I feel closer and I feel more connected to you than a lot of people in my life currently. <laughs> that's, so, that's so crazy. That's um, so, so insane. <laughs> how would you sum up like what, what inspires you? My connection with source energy. Source energy. The universe. If that's what you want to call it. Love it. Tell me, tell me everything. Cause I tell love me. the universe. <laughs> what do you mean uh, by that? My inspiration comes from being connected to my most authentic self, um, being most connected to my higher self. So the part of me that has no past, the part of me that is only this moment. So I, that's where I get my inspiration from. I get it from my presence. Um, and being where I am now and taking everything that I have learned um, and really transcending it and turning it into the things I want to create. Wow. I love that. I love being more present is such a, how, how does someone be more present? It's really, it's really challenging in today's world. It's really hard. Um, community, that's big. Doing things that don't involve your screens. Um, and like, you know, so many people are doing content creation, photography, um, all these things on our apps. I'm doing that, you're doing that to an extent. We're talking on a screen right now. I feel very present though, having this conversation with you though. But um, I, I would say, I think you feel present when you are expre expressing and creating the things that are important to you. Mm -hmm. So even if that does involve, say, your phone, I think it's still very good to get off of your phone um, from time to time, give yourself a break. I think it's more mindless scrolling that I'm referring to. Yeah. But what makes me feel the most present is doing um, the things that bring me the most joy following my purpose. So every time I create a video, I feel so present because it's like what I love doing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, so that's I how people that. get more present. Do what you like. I love it. Absolutely. What, what advice would you give to your younger self? I think I, if I had to go back in time and give myself a piece of advice, I would, I would probably tell myself that it's it's not permanent and it does get better because it can just feel so intoxicating like in whatever space you're in. Whenever we're feeling like a good emotion or a bad emotion, we almost can't think outside of that emotion, right? There's actually oh. like a science behind that. Yeah. So when you're in a negative space, you can't really think outside of that. And so... I would go back and tell myself that yeah, I'm not always going to be in that space and that I will be able to find um, what I am looking for. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love neuroscience things. So that is, I mean, I'm just still processing <laughs> what you said. And that's, that's very true. There's so much. You should write a philosophical book. I would read well, it. <laughs> Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about it. He says, like, you can't. He says he's a neuroscientist. Mm -hmm. He says you cannot think greater than how you feel. I have never heard that before, but I love it. <laughs> so, so like our bodies become, you know, the mind is what he says. So our bodies almost are like act like our bodies will involuntarily activate certain emotions within us because they've been practiced so much. And then we can't think beyond them. And then we get trapped. So then doing the things that make you feel present is what gets you out of that. I'll definitely check him out. You've actually recommended uh, Joe Dispenza to me before. Probably. Yeah, I, I love that. And so I'm curious, you know, you in the beginning, we when we were talking about the categories, you'd chosen pain and purpose. Why did you choose pain and purpose? I because I recently realized that like the antidote to every negative emotion I've ever felt or sometimes the negative emotions I might continue to feel is because I'm not connecting to my purpose. Like when I feel not present, I have to remind myself, wait, like what's the antidote? Uh, feel connected to my purpose. What makes me feel connected to my purpose? Uh, go create a video, work on your kid's book and then boom, I feel instantly better. Mm -hmm. Um, so the reason, so I think so much of like feeling lost or out, not focused in my life and the pain that would come with that lack of focus, because when you are unable to pursue the things that make you come alive, you feel a lot of pain. So, so that's why I chose pain and purpose. Yeah. Wow. And, and I love that. Cause I mean, even if I had like a, the most stressful day, as soon as I hop on one of these calls or I talk to people that do make me feel like connected to what I, what I'm passionate about, I immediately feel better. Like I don't need, I don't need caffeine. I don't need uh, mm -hmm. anything. So I love that you put it in that way. Um, exactly. And what you just said about how you don't need caffeine when I feel connected, like, I don't know if you experience this, but like when you're just going through your day, you're, you're not really feeling your best. Do you ever feel like you want to take a nap? You just want to sleep. Oh, yeah. 100 so, all the time. So I'm not saying taking naps are bad, but if you find yourself sleeping often during the day, I, I think a lot of the times it's because we're not connecting to our purpose enough because I had that experience where like, I always felt like I just wanted to sleep during the day. And then once I felt really connected to my purpose, that feeling went away completely for me. And I was just had this sustained level of energy throughout the day. Yeah. That and a B complex. Take your B vitamins. But I don't, um, I don't take any vitamins. I need to start. I have my probiotics, but that's about it. <laughs> B complex. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I could go so much deeper into so many of the areas that you've talked about. Is there anything that you want to go more in depth into? I feel quite satisfied. How do you feel? Yeah. No, I, I do too. This was, I don't have expectations when I talk to like any of the people that I, I've talked to because I just, I want it to be more of a conversation. Um, I do have one fun question that I like to ask Ooh. if I can ask that. 
Yes. So if you were a breakfast food based on your personality or any, if you're not, I'm a big breakfast food person. I like breakfast. Okay. So if you're a breakfast food based on your personality, what food are you picking and why? Damn. No one's ever, no one's ever asked me that question before. (laughs) Um, Putting you on the spot. If I was a breakfast food, probably a smoothie. Okay. I feel like I could be a smoothie. Because there's so many components to a smoothie. Mm-hmm. Sm- smoothies are very multifaceted. There's all these things you can create, all these flavors, um, different recipes, and vitamins <laughs> that you can you add the to health. them. <laughs> I was going to say the health aspect of it is probably very yeah. Important. I would say I would say I probably resonate most with a smoothie. There's so many great components to a smoothie. I love it. Well, you're a smoothie. Are you picking a, a specific type of smoothie? Like if I were Ooh. a smoothie, I'd pick peanut butter banana because I love that combination. But... I really love chocolate berry Ooh. with like some beet powder. Super yummy. Now I want a smoothie. I should probably eat before I do these calls. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Amazing. Well, so I guess my last question is, is there anything? So first off, where can uh, – if you're comfortable sharing, but where your followers can follow you. You can find me on Instagram and um, my Instagram and TikTok. Um, both of them are at Tanine Kayvan. So T-A-N-I-N-K-A-Y-V-A-N. Amazing. Um, and then is there anything else that you want to share? Mm, I, I, I'm very satisfied and I think that um, being satisfied with where you are now and eager for more is um, a nice place to be. I absolutely so I, love it. That's what I, that I'd leave people with. I love it. And I, I appreciate you so much for will, your willingness to do this for me. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens next for the both of us. Hopefully we'll be seeing each other in a few months anyway. Yes. All right. Let's okay, go. Thanks. Well, Thank you for joining. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of The Only in the Room. If you like what you listen to, give us a follow on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. The handle is at T-H-E-O-N-L-Y-I-N-T-H-E-R-O-O-M. That's The Only in the Room. If you want to connect with Tanine, follow her on Instagram at T-A-N-I-N-K-A-Y-B-A-N. That's Tanine Kava. I hope you have a wonderful day and we hope to see you on the next episode.